Good to see your faces. Good to see your families. Good to have you with us this morning. Let me invite you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, Luke's Christmas story, chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 6, says, And while they, Mary and Joseph, were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Would you pray with me over this story? Lord, thank you so much that this story is real. Thank you that it has life. Thank you that it has meaning. Thank you that this story changes our lives, puts us on course with what your will and your purpose is for our life, to eventually be forever with you in eternity, worshiping you, loving you, and enjoying all others who have put their faith and trust in your Son. Today, we ask you to open our eyes to hear this story in a fresh way. Let it just remind us of what's real and let it bring forth a joy and a peace and a comfort in our hearts that we all need. We honor you and we thank you today in Jesus' name. Songs of the Savior, Jesus in the Nativity. Let's take a look at this video. And so it was. While they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. There came wise men from the east saying, Where is he that is born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. They saw the child and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Timeless piece of history. The nativity, right? Who has a nativity at home in some capacity? Uh, We see them on lawns, see the silhouettes, see the figurines on mantles, coffee tables, uh, sometimes live nativities. Um, And you have to be careful with those sometimes. Uh, They could backfire on you. I debated on whether or not to even say that, but it was so funny. If you were here many years ago when we first moved here, we had a live nativity. I think it was, 
um, way deep on the bench of the animals we were, we were given. It was not the first class animals that we, were, we received that night. And they had a few other problems. And um, one decided to, you know, show us his backside on the wall over here, uh, what he had eaten that day. And so that was a, a never forgetful uh, live nativity. I'm just glad we were not standing behind him. So, but it was our fi- that was the last one we've ever had. That's exactly right. It's the last one. Uh, so you got to be careful with those live nativities. <laughs> but the nativity is it's a, it's a majestic piece. Uh, paints a beautiful picture of the Christmas story, and pretty much all theologians and, and Bible scholars, historical people who study these things. They've all pretty much agreed that not all of the characters at the nativity were there at the same time, but nonetheless, seeing them at the different points of time at that place paints the picture of what Christmas is and reminds us about the whole story. And their story, you have Joseph, you have Mary, you have the Magi, or the wise men, you have the shepherds, all of them having their own unique story and experience, then seeing them there at that nativity reminds us about what and who Jesus is and brings us to this point, seeing Jesus in the nativity. I just want to walk us through for just a few minutes today and remind us how we can see Jesus in the nativity, like the Magi. The Magi, Jesus made a long journey to bring gifts to us. We can see this in their story. It's, it's been estimated that these magi traveled some 900 miles uh, to get here over a period of time. Long ways to bring him gifts. They brought him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it reminds us and shows us that, that not only was that a long journey, but it pales in comparison to the journey Jesus made from heaven to earth and how he, he brought the gift of God's love. John chapter 1, verse 1 tells us this, that in the very beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through Him. And nothing was created except through Him. And the Word gave life to everything that was created. And in verse 14, it says, So the Word, Christ, became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Here, John explains to us that Jesus was there already, obviously, in the beginning, when He made, God made, created the heavens and the earth. And then we understand, we can take away from this text, the journey Jesus took to leave heaven, the glory of heaven, to come to this cold, dark world where light would never be extinguished again, the light of Christ. And he came to bring us a gift. And what was the gift that Christ came to bring? A new car behind door number two? What, what did he come to, to give us? A new house? Mortgage paid off? Whatever. What, what is it? What did he really truly come to bring us? John 3.16 explains it as we most of us know this verse, God loved the world so much, so much, 
that he gave, his one and his only son, so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And it goes on to say in verse 17 that he came not into this world to judge the world, but he came to save the world. Jesus came to save the world. The gift that Jesus, in fact, was bringing was himself delivered right here on earth. And so when we look at the Magi and we look at their journey and we look at their treasures, what we do is we can be reminded in their story, we can be reminded that our Savior made a journey to come to you, to come to me, to come to this earth, to come to all humanity, every single person. To came, he came to bring us the love of God. He came to fill the manger to show us that he came to fill our lives. That's what, one of the things we can take away. Question for us, has he truly filled your life? Has he filled your life? The shepherds, like the shepherds, Jesus proclaims the good news for everyone. I, I, I'm so thankful that so many different times throughout Scripture, God made sure to put it in his word, anyone who calls in the name of the Lord, whoever, everyone can be saved. I love that he puts that open statement, there, there's there, anyone and everyone, no matter who we are, no matter where we've come from, no matter what has gone on in our life, whatever environment we've been raised, whatever condition of circumstances we've experienced, we all qualify. Our sin qualifies us for the love of God. Our, mind, our human mindset tells us you're not good enough to receive love, therefore you must be punished. But Jesus came to proclaim the good news. And we see in the shepherd's story, they had already been kind of put in the middle between two different sharings of the good news. The angel had just come, come to tell them, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. And then they go to the nativity, they go to the manger, they see this Christ child, and then they leave to go back and they tell people, they proclaim the good news about everything that they had seen and heard and all that they had experienced. And it shows us to help us to see in the shepherd's story that as they proclaim the good news, Jesus came to proclaim the good news. In fact, when he would grow up, his, one of his first messages, the Gospel of Luke records it this way, as Jesus takes the scroll of the, of the ancient scroll of Isaiah the prophet, some 700 and something years before this time, and he reads this in verse 18 of chapter 4, Luke. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring terrible news to this jacked up world, I cannot even believe my God, my Father, would send me here. No. He has anointed me to bring good news, right? We have terrible news in life. Nobody wants to stick around for the bad news. We are all due for good news. He came right off the offset, starting his earthly ministry, telling us, I came to tell people good news. To the poor, he said, I have come to, I've been sent to proclaim to the captives that they can be released. And to the blind that they will see, to the oppressed that they will be set free. And that time of the, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And on down, he says in verse 43, I must preach this good news of the kingdom of God because this is why I was sent. I must do what I came to do 
to proclaim the good news. Don't you love that? He did not shy away from wanting to tell people good news. Sometimes we have fear of telling people good news because we're afraid of their reaction. We don't want to... Sometimes our good news, we, we might think, could offend somebody, could hurt someone else's feelings. But if it's just good news, it's good news. And he said, I must preach this good news everywhere. I must proclaim this good news everywhere. And he came as a gift to tell us how much God loves us. He loves us. He loves us in showing. He said, I am anointed by God's Spirit to tell you good news. I'm anointed by God's Spirit to set you free. If you're chained up, held captive, a prisoner in your life, he said, I'm so sorry that that's happened to you, but I've come to break those chains. I've come to break the cycle of sin in your life. I've come to destroy the curse of sin in your life. I've come to reset your life. I've come to reorient who you are, the way I have created you, the way I have ordained your life to be, by my will, by my plan, by my purpose. And he said, if you're oppressed and you're downtrodden and heavy laden, listen, I've come to free you. I've come to lighten your soul. So this Christmas, let's take heart to that. Let's have good cheer, courage in our heart to know that Jesus came to proclaim the good news, not to push us down. He came to throw us the rope of hope, if you will. He came to bend down and help us out of our misery, to get us out of our our, our terrible, rotten place of being stuck in places that take us down, that take us backwards, and try to take our life out. And here's the thing. He loves you, and He does it because He loves you. He came because He loves you. God so loved you that He sent His Son to proclaim this good news. And in the person and the finished work of Christ on the cross, He was perfect in His every way. He finished that. He completed that. In fact, that was some of his final words. It is finished. He has already done it for you. You ever been in a tough spot, like a tough job, a tough assignment? Maybe, maybe it's just something that's hard at home. It's, a, it's doing yard work. It's cutting a tree down. Maybe it's doing your job, period. And you're like, man, I'd rather be 10,000 miles away from here in Siberia than doing what I'm doing right now. If somebody else could just come and do this for me, Right? Can somebody else please take this test besides me? Can somebody else please deal with this customer besides me? Can someone else please take this phone call besides me? Jesus, take the wheel. Somebody help me. I don't want to do this. Jesus has come and he's done that. He has taken your place. He has taken your place. So if you're, if you're bound, if you're sad, if you're oppressed, if you're grieved, if you're hurting, if you're stuck in cycles of constant fatigue and finding yourself in constant battles that you just can't seem to find any traction and any victory over. Listen, Jesus has come to change the world. He's come to change your life because he loves you. Do you know that he loves you? Do you truly know that Jesus loves you? And Joseph Like Joseph, Jesus chooses mercy over the law. You know, Joseph may be, I've never really thought about it like this until this year, but he's probably one of the most overlooked characters in the Nativity. 
beyond Luke chapter 2, we don't hear any more about Joseph. We hear about other people. And he helped, he raised Christ. His earthly, he raised him. And here he is in the manger with Mary, with the baby. And the gospels do shed some light in this particular area about that time that he was a good man. He was, he was a righteous man. And he wanted to do what was right, but he also had conflict. He was also wanting to leave. He was also trying to break away quietly. He did not want to disgrace Mary. And you see how he chose to accept this call on his life, this call of obedience to just walk it out, and how he chose mercy over the law. Jesus would one day proclaim mercy. He, Joseph kept Mary as his wife, raised Jesus as his son, and as a result, Jesus went on, learned, grew, developed all those things, and found himself in a place to proclaim the good news. And in the good news, there is mercy. He would go on to say this in Matthew's gospel. Find it. You can kind of look at this, these stories and you're like, it's almost ironic. Really, Matthew gets to be the one to talk about mercy. The tax collector. Jesus calls out this tax collector to follow him, and he does. And here he is years later getting to write down from his journal Jesus saying this in Matthew 9, 13. Jesus said, go and learn this scripture, the meaning of it. He said, I want, to show, I want you to show mercy and not sacrifices. For I have come to call those who think, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Mercy. You know, if grace is getting what you don't deserve, mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Mercy. Mercy. Jesus is the ultimate picture of mercy. He would show it. He would model it. He would teach it. He would express it. In fact, one of his final words, while he was hanging on a cross in agony, suffocating to death on the cross, look down at all of his the ones who have accused him, who beat him, who spat on him, who put the crown of thorns on his head, who drove a spear in his side, all these right there, he would say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. In other words, Father, show them mercy. Anybody ever been in a position where you have received mercy? Where what you deserved, you didn't get, you got something extremely different. You know, in fact, Romans tells us, Paul, another one ironic, who was a hard-nosed Pharisee of Pharisees, legalistic all the way, he could dot an I and cross a T, he never missed a beat. He was, he was braggadocious about himself. And he said, you know what, though? It's not being good and perfect that gets God on my side. It's, in fact, that doesn't even get me close to God. He said, you know what gets me and draws us close to God? The goodness and kindness of the Lord is what draws me to want to repent. The more you know you are loved, the more you want to be drawn in and changed. 
That's just it. That's why Paul, throughout his letters, would write so many different times. It's my prayer for you that you would know how deep, how wide, how high, how expansive the love of God is for you. And he said, I also pray that you would experience it, that you would understand it, that you would know it. You see, friends, when we truly know that we are loved by God, we quit trying to be perfect and we let the perfect Savior do the work in us. And we quit trying to live up to everybody else's expectations. Right? Come on, everybody's got expectations for everybody. Everybody got expectations for everybody. And here's the thing. We haven't been able to live up to it yet. But there is one that we actually can. It's the love of God. Come as you are. Let me have you. Let me hold you. Let me, in your helplessness, Jesus as a baby, in his helplessness, shows us we can receive the love and the care and the tender mercy that we don't deserve, but yet he desires to show us. Amen? May we know that this Christmas. May we truly know And do you recognize, do you truly recognize the mercy God has for your life? And like Mary, Jesus chose God's will over his own. Before there were magi, before they began their journey, before the shepherds could ever be halted by the angels and told to share the good news, before Joseph could ever show mercy... Mary had to say yes. Mary had to actually say yes. Luke 1, 38, Mary says to the angel, I am the Lord's servant. They had had this back and forth. How can this be? This makes no sense. This is kind of creepy. I don't understand it. You've chosen me, God. Okay, Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. In other words, you could say she was saying, Okay, God, I don't understand, but not my will, your will be done. There's great freedom in truly just letting go and letting God. Jesus would learn to grow up and choose God's will over his own in many different places. In John 6, 38, he said, I have come from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And in teaching us how to pray in Matthew 6, he says, pray like this. Pray your kingdom come. Pray, God, your will be done on earth in my life as it truly is in heaven. And then lastly, on the night of his betrayal in the Garden of Gethsemane, in one of the hardest nights of his life, where he would where he would bleed droplets of blood. No one had hit him. No one had struck him. He was in such anguish, so much pressure, so much feeling that, that, that push against his soul. He would go and pray three times, Lord, if, Father, if you could take this from me, that'd be awesome. I had it awesome. It'd be amazing. I had it amazing, really. He said, if you could just take this from me. But really, I, not what I want, what you truly want. Sometimes choosing the right thing is the hard thing. 
Sometimes doing the right thing, God's thing, is not always the easy thing. And Jesus shows us in this example, shows us when Mary, Mary, very young, immaculate conception, this is a wild thing here. Never happened. And here it goes. She says, yes, okay. Don't know what my life's going to look like. I don't know all the details. And listen, for those of us who, who are type A and plan everything out, in life and like to know what retirement's going to look like at 30 years old, that messes our life up. Saying yes to God and not knowing how it's all going to work out. And sometimes we don't because we're afraid. But think of where our life could be led to, what it could equal, what it could come to if we would just say, okay. And I get it. Sometimes doing the right thing's the hard thing. It's not always easy sometimes just obeying and doing what God asks us to do. It's, it's not. But the reward and the payoff, we can't even begin to try to describe it and imagine it. It's beyond belief. It's beyond belief. Mary's yes to God shows us that truly Jesus is the best decision for our lives. The best decision we could ever make. So, have you said yes to God's will for your life? Are you saying yes? to God's will for your life. Thankful we have this story, real life, to remind us. And like Jesus, lastly, we can do all these things as well. No doubt the most important person in this whole story in the nativity is baby Jesus, the Christ child. No doubt. He is the gift. He is the good news. He is the mercy in the manger. And He is the good and perfect gift who is God's will for our lives. But it also means that we too, like Jesus, we are also called to make the journey to bring good gifts to those in need. May we not forget that. No matter how hard life gets in our life, we are all called to take a few steps and do something for other people, to show them, to give to others. And like Jesus, we're also called to share the good news that, hey, God doesn't hate you. God's not mad at you. God sympathizes with you in Christ, and He loves you. He loves you. He sees you. And like Jesus, it means we are also called to share mercy. What if the manger became synonymous with mercy like the cross is synonymous with sacrifice? The manger of mercy. And like Jesus, we are also called and have the ability. God gives us this freedom to choose God's will over our own will. One of the most tangible gifts he's left us is the communion table, the elements, the bread, symbolizing and reminding us that's his body, that he broke for us, and that he freely gave to us. And if we were freely received, he says, I'll make your life whole, and I'll keep you whole. And the cup of juice is a reminder, a symbol of the blood of Christ that was shed says for everyone. The blood of Christ 
There's still power in the blood. The blood of Christ saves us, forgives us. The blood of Christ heals us and redeems us. The blood of Christ covers our life and makes it possible to know the new mercies of God every single day. Tangible gift to remind us. You know the thing about all of these characters, all of these people in the story of the nativity? Is they all had to leave a familiar place to go and experience freedom. The Magi left home and traveled 900 miles. The shepherds left their flocks in the fields at night to go experience the good news. Joseph and Mary left Nazareth to travel all the way to Bethlehem. And when they got there, there was no place for them to stay. They all had to leave a place of familiarity. A place where they, where they found comfort in. A place that was easy for them to get to a place of freedom. Today, are you willing to leave what's familiar to you? Where you know where you're at spiritually is so familiar, but yet you know there's God, there's so much more freedom left to be discovered. That you've been okay with it so far. You might be all right with God. You might get feel real comfortable with the Lord, and that's good. We, we want to fill a home with Him. But He always calls us to take a few more steps, to let go of bitterness, to let go of fear, to let go of the open wounds that we carry. To let go of broken relationships. To let go and step away from the familiarity of certain parts of life that we know is truly not really honoring the Lord. He calls us to leave familiarity so that we can experience freedom. He left heaven to come to this world, this earth, to come and save you, to come and rescue me, to come and heal me, to bring deliverance and freedom to your life. So this Christmas, I invite you to stand. And I'd like us to pray before we leave the familiarity of a little padded chair and go home to familiar places around family and friends. May your soul not be empty, cold, distant, hard, or broken. But this Christmas, may you truly know beyond a shadow of a doubt the life, the light, freedom that Jesus came to offer you and to provide for you. Will you bow your heads? And close your eyes. I just want to ask you to just take a moment to pray with me. You don't have to pray it like word for word. But I'm just going to pray a prayer. And if just ask you if it hits home, just let it come off your lips in your way.
Father, I thank you for loving me. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for being born. Thank you for living. Thank you for sacrificing your life. And this Christmas, we recognize what this time is. Jesus, you coming near to be with us. To enter into this world to save us. To begin the journey to the cross. To be our Savior. We can't save ourselves, so we ask you, forgive us, O Lord, of our sins. Where we have fallen short, Lord, today, wash us clean by your blood. We we repent, God. We're sorry for the times where we live our life. We don't acknowledge you. We don't think about you. But today, just as you filled the manger, truly come. Fill this heart of mine. Fill this life of mine. Fill it with love. Take away the pain. Fill it with forgiveness. Take away the stain. Fill my life with your joy, your peace, with your life. Holy Spirit, make this real in us today. Make this real in us today. Stir my heart for more of you, O Lord, and point my life in the direction that you have planned. For I give you my life. I yield to you this day in Jesus' name. Amen.